Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Hey, this morning I'm starting the last part of my series uh, called The Ultimate Human Right. There are all kinds of resources that we have given, uh, turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations. There are books we sold out, not sold, we gave them all out, had to reorder some. Uh, so they are at guest services. They are free for you. The act of uh, service, act of kindness cards, we gave out of those last week. They are at guest services just to do something a little nice for someone. We've got prayer cards that should be in your uh, card pocket or at guest services. We've got a few other uh, resources as well. Last week, uh, at, at the end of the message, we launched, talked about the launch of a new ministry that we're doing called GC Reach. We give a lot of money uh, back into our community, but GC Reach is a community-focused ministry. So this is where we reach Tallahassee outside of the footprint, you know, the neighborhood of Generations Church, outside of our extended network of our friends and family, and we call it GC Reach. And we, we want to reach our community, of course, and we're going to do this several ways. Number one, with mobile block parties. We've already got one block party. It's a small fall festival that we move from different communities, food and inflatables and fun, just connecting with our uh, communities. We have one already scheduled for August the 7th, uh, being present at community-wide events, serve days, disaster response, prison outreach, providing lunch for local businesses. We had a great initial sign-up. Um, and if you didn't get a chance to do that, you can go online at our uh, signups page on our website or the GC Reach table is out in the foyer. There's just a, a paper. Just put your name there and your email address and we'll be in touch with you about how we're going to go about that. We don't want to just, you know, preach a series here. We want to we want to reach our community as well. It's good to send money. It's good to send money. But man, there are places right here in our community that we can uh, do a little better and, and reach, and we want to do that. So, all right. Hey, this morning, it's the last part of my series. I'm going to be reading uh, out of the Gospel of John and First uh, Peter and Galatians. So if you want to uh, kind of get your Bibles, your devices uh, prepared. Uh, as a reminder, or if you're new, this series is about the importance of remembering to share our faith and becoming more comfortable in telling others, you know, about the story of Jesus. So I use the term, uh, the ultimate human right. What is the ultimate human right? Out of all rights given, it is to know Jesus and make him known. All kinds of wonderful rights, but the ultimate one is to let people know of the saving grace of Jesus. The Gospel of John says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. That's the greatest right. It supersedes, it supersedes all others. So uh, uh, this morning, I want to talk, and, and listen, this is the... Uh, Message series five. There are other series that are uh, parts of this message that are series that are on Facebook, YouTube, uh, iTunes, on our podcast. You can get caught up or if you missed one of those because they kind of build each week. So 
I want to talk to you today as we kind of end up, and then we're going to do communion about the importance of gospel conversations, gospel conversations. Now, I've talked to you through this series about three types of conversations, three types of conversations. One is everyday conversations that we just build bridges with people. It's conversations about sports, about life, raising children, vacations. It's just everyday conversations, building relationships with people that may one day God may use you in their life. But unless we know them, you know, it's hard to reach the strangers. So we want to focus on really being a good friend and everyday conversations are a part of that. Now, I had somebody this week that said, hey, I want to tell you something. He said, I work with an individual that is a lot younger than me, and their lifestyle is much different than mine, much different than mine. And I never have had kind of any kind of connection point with them at all. He said, but we discovered we have the same like of fishing, and that's where we've started, you know, just talking about fishing and this individual fishes a lot. And, you know, and the relationship was born through everyday conversations. So until we build the relationship initially just through everyday conversations, it's tough to go to gospel conversations till we have everyday conversations. So that's the first part, everyday conversation. The next one is God conversations. God conversations. When, when people ask you questions or maybe you initiate questions just in general about God, circumstances in their lives, ask, they, maybe they ask for prayer, they have questions about the church, your church, the need for God in their life, why they're away from God. So it starts with every day, and then maybe it just kind of works its way to general God conversations. So uh, uh, a few weeks ago, with her permission, Janine Kelly was at the grocery store on Sunday morning uh, before she came to church, and she had on her I Love My Church t-shirt just at the grocery store. And a lady came up and said, do you really love your church? And she said, I do love my church. And they talked for a moment, would you like to come to my church? And the lady said, yes, let me check out, all right, and I'll meet you at church. You know, sometimes, you know, people aren't telling the truth on that. But you know what? The lady checked out, and Janine met her at the door, came to church last or a few weeks ago. You want to know who it was? Remember Anastasia that we baptized last week? That was her. That was her. Just starts with God conversations, okay? And then there are gospel conversations, okay? This is when it gets a little more, you know, we started with every day. We're working with general God conversations. And then it starts with our, our really gospel conversations. Conversations about Jesus, the cross, forgiveness, eternity. It's where you take a moment maybe to share your testimony or share your story. It's where... You maybe explain to them or they ask, what are the next steps, you know, in our, you know, in, in, in following, you know, in following Jesus? You know, uh, we think sometimes we want to outsource personal evangelism. We want to say, you know, it's just, it's just at the church or it's just for spiritual people. And I just want to remind you this morning that it's for every person. 
Telling the story of Jesus, just letting people know that you're a follower of Jesus is, is really important. Just to remind you this morning, Matthew 28, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and I am surely with you always. So he says, as you go and do these things, just know that I'm with you. Now let me just remind you, when he released them at this point, he did not release them to a network of churches. He did not commit this message to local churches to get out because it did not exist at that particular time. He committed that great responsibility of the Great Commission. He committed it to individuals to go one-on-one, person-to-person, group-to-group, to let everyone know about the, the, the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. Romans says... How can they hear unless someone is sent? How can they hear? How are they ever going to hear unless there's an individual that someone that is in their life that has the opportunity and the boldness to to kind of to take that to take that next step. I got a video I want to show you this morning. Look, check it out. Labradoodle. What? Yeah, right down there. Oh. <laughs> I love good breed. It's so good. Yes, half lab, half moodle. Wait, what? Incredible. Moodle? Yeah. No, that's moodle. not a thing ever. No, no, it totally is. A moodle. Isn't that, isn't that Dave from Econ? Oh, yeah. What is he doing up here? He's, he's probably just enjoying the view, man. Wait, isn't isn't Dave blind? We gotta warn him. Hey, hey, Dave. Whoa, 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 bro. What are you doing? You, you can't just tell Dave what to do. Wait, why? Are you blind? Uh, no. Okay, so then you don't know what Dave's gone through. You can't really relate to him, man. Just, just, just let him be. He's totally fine. Literally slipping right now. Yeah, wait, okay, okay, you're gonna you're gonna get all up on him for for slipping. Like everyone slips from here and there. I don't it's care no if he slips. I'm just trying to keep it. a guy from falling off a cliff. No, no. Okay, listen. What what I think you need to do right now is you just need to love him. You need to not point out. What does his that have weaknesses. to do with anything? It has everything to do with everything. Okay, like if you if you point out his weaknesses, he won't feel loved. He won't feel accepted. I'm just, feel I'm just accepted. trying to keep a guy from going off the cliff. No, he's not even stopping. You, hey, Dave! No, 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 stop it, stop it, stop it! You speak out against blind people. So what many people will be upset with you? with you. No, so many people won't like you. Also, what if, what if he doesn't like us anymore? You ever thought about that? Dave will be dead. I need to say, hey, no, no, Dave, no, 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 Dave! Someone, is someone there? Uh, yeah. Hey Dave, how's it going? It's uh, it's Charlie from school. Oh hey man. Doing this for Dave's birthday. Maybe you can help me out. I seem to have lost a trail somewhere. You you want to tell me if I'm going the right way? Maybe he is lost. Yes. 
You're right. We, we should still just encourage him. Yeah, yeah, hey, no, Dave, you know, you're doing great, man. Uh, uh, you know, I love that you're out here, man, too. I'm proud of you, being out on this trail. You're, you're doing great, man, you're, you're doing great. Oh, okay, thanks, man. Watch, he'll figure it out. You just gotta love him through his problems. Yeah, you got it, man. Dave, what are you doing? What? Dave? Dave? Amen. Amen. So there's some humor attached to that, but it's very truthful as well. You know, sometimes we're trying to negotiate with ourselves and worried about what, what would they say? What would they think? What is my right to speak into someone? Who am I? You know, they're living their own life. And all while people have spiritual blindness going on and they're, you know, uh, headed toward a toward a, a cliff like that. So I, I just want to remind you this morning, okay? I just want to remind you of a few things today. The parable of the sower reminds us of the farmer. He's just tossing seed out. He's just tossing seed, okay? It doesn't matter to him. He's just, he's just tossing seed. And I want to remind you just of some things this morning. The condition of the soil is not necessarily my responsibility. Remember the story? You know, some of it, it was very hard soil, gave very little fruit. Some of it, 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 it sprang up, but it was choked off with thorns. Some of the soil had the rocks in it, and uh, then some of it was, was good soil. So the condition of the soil is not necessarily my responsibility. My responsibility is to throw out seed, okay? It's just to throw out seed. So I am in the position either I am planting seed or watering seed, Either I'm planting seed, the initial kind of conversations that I have with someone, or I'm watering seed that somebody else has put in the ground. I'm either planting or watering. That's what I'm doing. Successful evangelism is not necessarily leading someone to faith. Sometimes we feel like a failure, but we're not because my responsibility is not, you know, that, uh, the, the harvest, when they come to the Lord, that's between them and the Lord. It's just my responsibility to, to throw out the seed, not worry about the, you know, the, the condition of the soil. So I don't want us to ever kind of feel bad because we don't always see the harvest. But sometimes you plant the seed, somebody else is watered, and there's a harvest. Sometimes it's given, and you don't even have an idea. You don't even know. Evangelism seeds are words and actions that we plant, which God may use at any time. So through my actions, through my words, I'm putting seed in the ground and in the right time, you know, it will, you know, it will bear fruit. So we just go through life. We're not trying to judge soil. That's not up to me. I'm just out planting seed. I'm just throwing seed out as much as I can whenever I have the opportunity and what happens to it, that's between them and the Lord. So I'm just being a friend. I'm talking about fishing. 
You know, which seems non-spiritual, but not if it's intentional for the fact of building a relationship with someone. I'm planting seed. I'm praying over people. I'm passionately interceding over them. I'm looking at my workplace as a mission field, and I'm, I'm looking at it as a, as a pastor does the church. I'm planting seed there. I'm living a biblically consistent life. People can be drawn to faith through watching a biblically consistent life lived out in front of them. So I'm planting, I'm planting seed. I'm inviting people to church in special events. I'm, I'm looking for opportunities of acts of service and, and acts of kindness to, to give to people. So I'm, I'm just planting seed. I'm just throwing it out. That's all our responsibility is. We... You know, if we're there for a harvest, that's great. But sometimes people go, well, if I don't see an immediate harvest, then I must have been ineffective, so I'm just going to keep the seed. I'm going, no, plant the seed. Get it out in every opportunity. You never know how God will use your story or your kindness or something that, that, that will impact someone for the gospel. Justin Gordon was here a couple of weeks ago, a missionary, and he made this statement, and I wrote it down. It said, the kingdom expands at the speed of relationship because the gospel moves along the lines of trust. It's relationships where, you know, where, where people are one. But sometimes there's so much anxiety and fear and apprehension when it comes to, like, sharing our faith, telling the story of Jesus. There's so much fear and apprehension that we don't really ever do it. We're so afraid about rejection or, or the fear of man, what they may think. But I just want to say to you this morning... You know, that with just a little preparation, just a little preparation, people can feel more comfortable in sharing their faith. So if there's any kind of downfall that I see, people don't think through. They're not, they're not prepared in this last moment. Like if you, were giving a, if you were giving a verbal presentation to your workplace, you were leading a small group, you know, you would take a few moments, you would write down some notes, you would think through what you're going to say, you would take a few moments and just prepare yourself. And I want to say, any anxiety, any fear, any apprehension can be done away with or, or reduced when we prepare ourselves just a little bit for a, for a, gospel, a gospel conversation. First Peter reminds us, always be prepared. To give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason of the hope that you have. So he's saying in advance, before you have the conversation, before you have the interaction, prepare yourself for this conversation. And we're going to try to do that this morning. So I want to remind you that not everyone's coming to church. They're not going to come for a sausage dog next week. They're not coming on Easter they're not coming on Christmas. Some will never come to the church. And we cannot exclude the gospel from those that will never come inside this building. So the responsibility rests on people that love Jesus and have just a little bit of preparation to kind of share the gospel with them. All right? So let me just remind you of a few things. I read this book, Reviving Evangelism, from George Barnett. It's just one of the latest when it comes to kind of trends in thinking 
of evangelism. So I want you to hear what the world is thinking just a little bit when it comes to interactions with believers. So things to know about sharing our faith. What are they thinking? What are they feeling? All right? So here's a few things. Here's when they, when they polled unchurched, you know, people, atheists, whatever, people just aren't in church. Here's their response. I experience a general sense of emptiness. I have unanswered spiritual questions. I am seeking something better. They are increasingly isolated, especially post-pandemic. People are carrying deep wounds, family breakdowns, sexual exploitation, fear, shallow or social, a shallow social or online relationships. So I want you to look at that and know, you know, sometimes we're very fearful about what we may say to people, but there's this great opening. There's this great void in the hearts of people that sometimes we don't even realize. People may be more open to God conversations and gospel conversations than they ever have been before. They've tried every other thing in the world and they are still empty. They are lonely. They are looking for community and you you may, you may not realize, but the door may be more open and you may find more receptivity than you ever thought because of the way people are living now, okay? Carrying deep wounds, family breakdowns, sexual exploitation, fear, shallow relationships. I mean, people are open at this moment. So if you're going, I just couldn't do it, I'd be fearful. You just never know how much the door is open and people will be receptive to that conversation, all right? Things to know about sharing your faith, what they're looking for. So here's what they ask people. Like if someone approached you, someone came and had a religious conversation with you, you know, what, what would you think about that? And here were some of their responses. Open-ended conversations with someone that listens without judgment and doesn't force a conclusion, Okay. All right, so they, they're open to these conversations. They don't want their arm twisted at the end, but they are open to these conversations. Casual, one-on-one -on -one conversations are the best. They're open to that. Listen, listen. We think sometimes if I can just get them to the church, then, then that'll be, that's, that's what they need. But I'm telling you, some of them are never coming here, but they are open to sitting at Starbucks across from a coffee and having a God conversation or a gospel conversation. They're, they're looking for that. Listening as an act of love. So we go, I got to know everything about the Bible. And I'm going, no, you don't. No, you don't. You just have to listen. Just, just listen. You don't have to go in with a speech. You don't have to go in with the answer to every question that they may have. Sometimes people have burdens, and they just want someone that will care enough just to sit there and listen. They just want to kind of unburden their heart, all right? More conversation about felt needs or spiritual needs, okay? They're open to that about problems they are going through. And I'll say this, younger people, 40 years in age and under, they're not necessarily interested in, you know, uh, conversations about heaven or eternity, you know. That doesn't interest them. How can you help me today? That's what people are kind of interested in. And then we have to create spaces for belonging, not just welcoming, in our own lives and in our church. So listen to me. This is not just greeting people at the door, but this is inviting them to lunch as well. 
This is not just about one coffee at Starbucks. This is kind of a, a, a relationship that we are, that we are, you know, that we are building. So I'm just saying to you, there is a greater opportunity when it comes to telling others about Jesus, maybe than we've ever seen before. And we've got to take fear and apprehension away from the church, the church world and individuals and and let them know with the power of the Holy Spirit and a little bit of preparation. Man, they can be effective in just spreading the seed. What someone does with that is between them and God, okay? But my responsibility is when I'm given the opportunity to just just spread the seed, okay? Now, we want to do something that will help encourage Gospel conversations. We want to do something that will help encourage gospel conversations. So I've got an image up here that I want to show you. It's a T-shirt that we're, that we're going to give away for free. Okay, It says, ask me about my best day ever. Okay, It doesn't have the church, any kind of branding on it at all. You just wear that in public. Okay, Now there's a hashtag on the back. It says, my best day ever, TLH. It is a unique hashtag that is unique to us. And we're going to create content. So if anybody looks up that hashtag, it explains what the best day ever is. But we want to encourage gospel conversations. And we want to give you the opportunity if you'll wear this shirt. Now, this shirt's not for everyone, okay? That's why I'm not going to print up 150. Because you don't need to wear this shirt if you're grumpy, Okay? I don't want you to have this shirt on. You go to Walmart, somebody grabs the last banana, and they have to call security on you, asking you about your best day. All right? But we think this is a vehicle where this will give opportunity because people read T-shirts. We just baptized someone last week that started with a conversation of a T-shirt. So this is free. All you have to do is sign up online or at guest services. Give us your T-shirt size. We're going to have the number that requests it. We're going to print them. We'll give them away free. And I think you'll have great opportunities for, you know, for gospel conversations. What can we do to engage? And we think maybe this will be an answer to that. So, all right, that's one thing. Now, I want to mention just a couple of things really quick about gospel conversation, sharing, you know, telling others about Jesus. So, first of all, I want to remind you the importance of sharing your story. Sharing your story. We think every time we talk about the Lord, okay, we've got to go deep in theology or quote a lot of scripture, and that's not necessarily the case, all right? You know, it's just not, but, but we forget sometimes some of the most powerful part of our, of our uh, conversation with people is our story. What has happened in our life? You don't have to know a lot about theology or the Bible just to tell what God has done in your life. So those of you that go, I don't know enough about the Bible. I wouldn't know where to start. What if they ask a question, you know, that I can't answer? That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Do you remember in the story, the man that was blind? And I love this story. And Jesus healed him. And the Pharisees, they started this theological debate about why he was blind, okay? Was this man, did he sin? Is that why he was blind? Or was it his parents? Is that why he's blind? Because they did something there. They started this theological debate 
like why he, you know, why he was blind. And I love the response of the blind man. The blind man says, I don't know anything about that. All I know is once I was blind and now I see, okay? So you don't have to worry, you know, about going deep, you know, into the creation story. You can do the same thing. You know, all kinds of issues with the church and all that. You don't have to do anything. You just go, listen, I don't know anything about that. You know, call Dr. Brent Jones at my church. He knows it all. But I'm going to tell you what happened to me. I don't know about the other stuff, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what happened to me. And let me just say, too, there are some people that are so antagonistic to the gospel and the Bible that even if you try to show them passages, they're not going to receive it because they don't believe the Bible's inspired anyway. So sometimes that, that's, we don't even need to lean that way initially, but they cannot deny your story, okay? Now, things to remember about your story. Things to remember about your story. Everyone's faith story is unique. We come from different backgrounds. We've gone through different things, raised in different different places, had different religious experiences. So all of, our, all of our faith stories are unique. Everyone's story has different life-defining moments, okay? Everybody's life is not the same. They have different twists and turns and ups and downs that happen, you know, that happen to them. So that, that, that's great. Because everyone's story is unique, it has the potential to impact different people because we don't all come from the same place. We're not the same age. We didn't walk the same background. We weren't raised the same in our religious beliefs. So because of the uniqueness of that, it has the, impact, the power to impact a lot of people. Now, I want to tell you something. I hear this all the time, okay? My story's not good enough. I've been in church my whole life, okay? I've never been arrested, I hear that as though faithfulness to God, you know, having a faithful testimony is, is somehow worse, you know, or doesn't have the impact. And I say, no way. Having a life of faithfulness and God's faithfulness, that, that will impact certain people. But if you don't think your testimony is good enough, then let's go down to Walmart after church. Let's steal some shoes, you know. When you get outside and you're arrested, I'll take a picture. We'll add that to your testimony. And you can reach all the shoe stealers out there. Okay? If you feel like that's, you know, if you feel like that'll help you in your testimony, then go for it. I'm going to stick to God's faithfulness. <laughs> so the story is important. So here's Paul, the Apostle Paul. And he's slugging it out over tenets of Judaism with the Galatians. I mean, they are back and forth about the, 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 uh, the blend of Judaism and pure Christianity. And finally, he just says, all right, enough. And he starts to tell his story. And I'm going to put it up here on the screen, all right, because it's, it's important. He defaults back. Instead of theology and all that, he starts with his story. I want you to see it. Here's what he says. I'm sure that you've heard the story of my early life when I lived in the Jewish way. Because he's speaking to Jewish people. In those days, I went all out persecuting God's church. 
I was systematically destroying it. I was so enthusiastic about the religious traditions of my ancestors that I, that I advanced head and shoulders above my peers in Judaism. Even then, God had designs on me. Why? When I was still in my mother's womb, he chose and he called me out of sheer generosity. Now he has intervened and revealed his son in me so they, that I may joyfully tell non-Jews about him. Then I begin my ministry in the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And at that time and activity, I was still unknown by face among the Christian churches in Judea. There was, this, there was only this report, and he quotes, That man who once persecuted us is now preaching the very message he used to try to destroy. Their response was to recognize and worship God because of me. Okay? So he defaults back to telling in, in somewhat great detail his story. I don't have, so you may go, I don't have a degree in theology. I've never taken homiletics, hermeneutics. You know, all, I'm not a great public speaker. I might have taken one class in college. You know, all of that's not really necessary. Just tell your story. Just, just, tell, just tell, your, uh, tell your story, okay? Now, things to remember when you share your story. Because I want to equip you to tell your testimony, okay? Now, people go, I can do that. And you know what? People ramble and ramble and ramble. And 38 minutes later, you know, uh, you need to succinctly be able to tell your story. And there's certain parts, if you want to tell it effectively, certain parts, you know, that you need to remember. Like, tell about your life before you came to Christ. Did you go to church? Religious beliefs, practices, lifestyle? Let them know, you know, what, what was happening before. How did you come to the Lord? Was it a person that shared with you? Was it a church service? Was it an unusual event? Was it a life-defining moment that was very high and very low in your life? What happened in your life that made you start thinking and considering the Lord? Where were you and what happened when you became a follower of Jesus? Okay, what, what was the actual kind of experience like? How did your life change after you became a follower of Christ. How did your life change? Okay. And then what would you say? What do you say to that person, you know, to encourage them to give their life over to the Lord? So as you tell your story, you're hitting these certain things and you do it as succinctly as possible. And I'm just telling you that the uniqueness of our background qualifies everyone to have a great story for Christ. I'm going to show you a video of Ashley Cave. She's going to share her story with you. And I want you to notice those movements in about four minutes, I want you to notice those movements as she shares her story. I was born into a Christian home, um, and I don't really remember a time of my life before Jesus. I was born into a home with Christian parents, and we went to church. And when I was about four and a half, I was in my room. My dad was putting me to bed, and we were just talking about the Lord. And I remember him saying, do you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart? You know, do you want to live with him forever one day in heaven? And I just remember thinking, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, at four and a half, as much as you can understand that, um, I knew I wanted that. And so he prayed with me and, and led me to the Lord that night. After I got saved, I continued to go to church. I was young, but I was involved in church, went to Sunday school, and we were there on Sundays and Wednesdays. And as I grew older, I would volunteer and help in the kids' ministry, and I was a youth leader. 
And um, because we were homeschooled, we were involved in our church and with friends all the time. And so um, I was surrounded by people who followed Jesus and were Christians. And um, when I graduated from high school, went to a Bible college for two years and then transferred to a Christian university where I met my husband. When we got married right after college, we pretty much knew we wanted to have kids right away. So within about six months, we just were open to whatever happened. And we got pregnant pretty much right away. And to make a long story short, we ended up having miscarriage. And that led into like almost seven years of trying to get pregnant. It was almost seven years before we had the twins. And um, you know, the first couple of years, because we both grew up in church and we were both Christians, we knew all the right things. You know, we knew what to pray and we knew um, the scriptures to read and we had people that were praying with us. But I remember about year six, um, I just hit like a really dark spot, a dark place. And I remember thinking, I know all the right things, but all of this feels super distant right now to me because of what we were facing. I just remember being in Hobby Lobby one day and standing in the aisle and a song came on that I used to sing growing up, Draw Me Close to You. And if you grew up in church, you know the song. It's like a staple of our youth. Um, but it basically just talks about drawing close to the Lord and how He wants to be near us and how we can call out to Him and He'll come to us, you know, when we call for Him. And I just remember sobbing in the middle of Hobby Lobby and thinking, you know, this is so crazy. God has been so faithful to us. I'm crazy to feel this way. And I just need to know that He's here. You know, I need to know that He's near and making that decision to follow Him. You know, I would say I got saved and became a Christ follower you know, at four and a half, but throughout my life, there's always been seasons where I had to choose to follow Jesus again and make that choice over and over again. There's always things pulling us and things we get discouraged about, but we still have to choose to follow Him, and I would say it's a lifelong journey of doing that. I'm just so thankful that there's nothing that I can do to make Him love me any more or any less, and that even when I didn't have enough faith to believe Him, that He was still pursuing my heart and wanting to draw near to me um, and still sought out to save me in that moment and I'm just super thankful for that. And to anyone who hasn't committed their life to Christ or to somebody who maybe you grew up in church like me and you know all the right things and you followed him at a point in your life but you've kind of turned your back on him or, or you've done things that you shouldn't have done and you've walked away and you feel distant from God, I would just say he loves you and he is always drawing us to himself and you may be in your car or you may be at church in a service or at a conference or in an aisle at Hobby Lobby but he's drawing us to himself and if all we have to do is respond and a life with him is better than any life without him. And the hope that he offers us is the most amazing thing and gift that he can give us. And there's nothing we can do to deserve that. There's nothing, no right things. We all started at the same baseline. And he wants to be with all of us. And I would just encourage you to listen to him and to respond. And he can take care of everything else after that. But our only job is to respond and turn towards him and allow him to do that work in our lives. Amen. Great job. Great job. Uh, so in Ashley's story, you know, she starts out, hey, she's a Christian very early, but then she had this tension in her life where God's promises weren't lining up with her life that a lot of people kind of walk through. And then she had her Hobby Lobby moment, you know, so she made that reference to. And so 
So to people that go, hey, I was just raised in church, I got saved early, there's still application points, life-defining moments that can minister to people. So, man, share, share your story. Now, this week, on uh, some of our team, on our personal social media, we're going to be rolling out videos sharing our stories. Not on the church, you know, like we want our social media network to know about our own personal faith journey. You know, like I, I post a lot of religious stuff, but a lot of people don't know about my life before I came, you know, before I came to Christ. And I'm going to, so I'll roll mine out tomorrow, and you'll see that on the individual social media uh, uh, pages of, of some of our team, not just to be an example to you, but we want to reach our, you know, we want to reach our network. We want our people to know and our networks to know. So I just want to empower you, number one, to tell your story, to know that it's powerful, whatever it is, it is powerful. And you can always default back to your story. Man, if you get, you don't know what to say or whatever, man, you can always just tell the goodness of God. And if you want to do something on your social media this week, not required, we're not pushing anyone, but if you want to maybe use your social media network, maybe just to tell your faith story. Sometimes people always see the after you know, they see what your life is like now, but they never know what the before was, so they never can really appreciate the after because they don't know what you walked to walk through before. So if that's something you want to do, that's great. Also, there's a share your story card that you should have gotten when you uh, came in, uh, and it's just kind of the different things to cover when you tell your story verbally or however you want to do that, just some of the questions that we just encourage you to kind of go over because we're trying to prepare ourselves. We don't want to be scared, apprehensive, fearful, but if I take a few moments and prepare myself, then I'm more confident. The last part of this, we share our story, but we always but we also share our faith. Okay? We all, you know, just having this conversation, this gospel conversation, maybe where we kind of bring it to a point. Now, I'm gonna I get asked this question a lot. Do I have to feel led? Do I always have to feel led? Like when it's a God moment, well, I just feel you know, I hear angels. Well, I see the glory cloud, and I'll know, and I'll know this is a moment. So do I always have to feel led? All right, so I answer it this way. When you tell your children, clean your room, okay, do you need them to be inspired to do it? Or do you just need them to do it, okay? So I want to say to you, the command and the empowerment is already there. We're just looking for the opportunity, the command of the Great Commission, the promise that the Holy Spirit will be in that, in that moment. And we talked about it last week when there are divine interruptions to our day and God's designing a, uh, and setting up an appointment that we had not had in store. No, you don't have to feel led. You don't have to see anything. You don't have to hear anything. Just know that God is with you in that particular moment. Jude chapter 1 says, Be merciful to those who doubt. Have great kindness. Have great compassion for those that haven't quite come to faith yet. Be merciful to those that doubt. Then he says, Save others by snatching them from the fire. So there are times in people's lives that we need to be a little more aggressive. They're going through, and maybe aggressive is a bad term. We need to have a greater urgency 
They're going through something. Maybe something's happening, you know, uh, uh, in their life. Their life-defining moments, uh, moments. There are choices that they have made, and you see they're kind of at a tipping point in their life. And so sometimes there's a little greater urgency to this. Be merciful to those that doubt. Save others, snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear. So, man, we're being compassionate and kind, but we're having these loving, concerning you know, conversations with them. So he says, man, there's some different ways, you know, at the end that that we need to follow. Brent, worship team, you can come. Because there are times in our life, and I've tried to take the pressure off of you and go, it's not about the results, you know. We just plant seed. We just plant seed. There are all kinds of ways, prayer, acts of kindness, just living a godly life that we can witness and share and and be nonverbal, okay. But there is a time, there is a time that every person needs to ask the following question. Would you like to become a follower of Jesus? Very simple question. Hey, you're going through some things. Would you like to be a follower of Jesus? Okay. And then you need to be able to answer the question when somebody goes, hey, how do I come become a follower of Jesus? Well, hey, let me get on the phone here. Let me, uh, you know, no. Because you can handle that. Because God's prepared you for this moment. God set this moment up. And you've done a, just a little bit of preparation here. And you are ready. You are ready for this moment. Okay? Now, on the back side of share your story is a share your faith card. I want you to keep it with you. Take a picture of it. Put it on your phone. And if you ever have that opportunity, you know, when somebody says, how do I become a follower of Jesus? We just have a little card here. You can memorize it. It's, it's easy to memorize. And it just says, and I use it here on invitations. If you'll do three things, admit that you need God in your life. Believe in what Jesus did for you on the cross and confess your sins to him, okay? If you'll do those three things, then God will do three things. He'll forgive your sins, okay? He'll give you a new life. There's a new chapter. Okay? There's a new story that God wants to write. And he'll give you eternal life. Okay? It's a very easy way to respond when somebody says, how do I become a follower of Jesus? It's not complicated. Don't go back to the book of Genesis. Don't you mention Adam and Eve. Don't you go back that far. It's just very easy. Okay? You admit. You believe. You confess. He'll forgive your sin. He'll give you a new life. You'll have eternal life, okay? It's very easy. So I want you to prepare yourself for that. Well, how would you handle that if somebody said, hey, how would I become a follower of Jesus? How would I do that? Then at the very bottom of that is just a little simple prayer. They can pray it. You can read it however you want to do it. Many times people don't share because they're fearful. They're not sure what to say, not sure what to do. They don't want to be rejected or be ineffective, so they don't say anything. We cannot live in this day or age when the church is silent, when individuals are silent. I said at the very beginning of this series, an imperfect witness is better than no witness at all. Okay? I would rather you muddle through it, repeat yourself, stammer through it, but God would still use it. God would still use it. All right? Rather than not say anything at all, because you think you might fail, okay? We, we, we can't live that way. The world needs us. 
The world needs us. The world needs us. Philippians, I mean, Philemon says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective and powerful. And that's a great prayer. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective and powerful. As we close this series, I want to take communion together. And if the ushers will prepare, if, there are, if you don't have the communion emblems, if you'll just raise your hand, they'll bring some of those to you. They'll, they'll, they'll uh, respond. There's some out in the foyer. If you can just get ready. Because in this communion time, I don't want it to be, I mean, it's going to be about the, the death and the suffering of Jesus. But I also want this to be a covenant as well. It's a covenant that until Jesus comes, we are going to do our best to let the world know that you know, that Jesus saves. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.